words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Good morning, everyone. Who has had um, who has had a good year? Truthfully, who has had a very good year? Who can look back and say it's been a very good year? No modesty. Fantastic. Who has who can say that they've dealt with a lot of challenges this year? A lot of challenges, unexpected challenges. Okay, sometimes the same people. The rest of you are not in this year. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Maybe you went to Metaverse. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so this morning, just a series of short thoughts in my heart. Um, Pastor Mo, don't worry, I promise I will not run over. <laughs> just a series of short thoughts that God laid on my heart. And I don't even know if they connect. But regardless, it's not really important. Take what it is that is for you. And as they say, um, that Nigerian word, I don't like it, expand right? Basically expand it. Ask the Lord to open it more, open it up to you as it concerns you, as it relates to you. Many times when, um, especially Pastor Mo and Pastor Fred and I think Pastor Nigel, whenever they are teaching, usually God will give me a, a, from something that they say will trigger a word and I will actually type up a sermon in the middle of their sermon. That's what the word of the Lord does, right? It ignites, it ignites. So sometimes you might not hear the entire sermon, but three sentences in the sermon trigger something in your spirit that then sets you on the course of um, where God wants you to go. So this morning, just a series of short thoughts. Um, let me just quickly pull out the scripture so that you can work with me. Um, Second Chronicles 18 would be our main anchor scripture. Um, and then we'll have um, Second Chronicles 18 and then First Corinthians 12. 7 to 11 and then John 3 36 John 3 36 so you can also mark it down or write it down somewhere um, Joel 2 28 to 29 Revelation 19 10 I, I can go over it again for you okay so first current first Corinthians, yes, 12. No, first, second Chronicles 18. You need a pen? Can someone give her a pen? Paper. Okay. Okay. Just so that we can we'll be quick when we get to the places. Lord, I Everything I've been true. Second Chronicles 18. First, First Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. John 3, 36. Joel 2, 28 and 29. Revelation 19. And 10, 19, 10, sorry, 19 and 10. Um, first Thessalonians 3, sorry, 5, first Thessalonians 5, 20 to 21. Okay. Okay, let's just start with that and we'll take it from there. Right. So, Father Lord, I just ask that let the entrance of your word today bring light, bring illumination. I ask that your 
all of us will be open to hear what you want to say this morning and that you will bring a change in our lives, that your word will have impact in our lives. There will be a difference. We will not go out and be ordinary people after hearing your word, O oh God. I ask that none of me, all of you, O oh God, to the glory of your name, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I want to start at Second Chronicles 18, and it's a very popular story. It's the story of Jeho Jehoshaphat. Um, so can you take... Can you go to the scripture? Second Chronicles 18 is a story of Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And this was a man who was known to be a man who sought after the heart of God and who brought reformation and revival to the city. He brought down the ancient, um, what's he called, um, idols. And he was a man whose heart was desperate for God but I want to tell you a story about unholy alliances and what it can do and why it's very critical that in the coming season of your life that you need to dispense with some alliances that you have made and the reason why this is critical is because as we're coming to the end of the year there's always a need for people to feel like they need to reset in the next year I'm going to do this I'm going to do that but one of the key things you need to remember is that in the next season of your life and I say season not year because some of it will start right now from today for many of us most times by the end of the year i've already set up my next year and this has nothing to do with resolutions or goals right but it has to do with the mindset of how i'm going to stay with god because my life must be totally given to god as a sacrifice and as an offering and every time that i try to set my life by myself he would take me on a completely different trajectory and so i've come into the place of obedience and repentance so before the year ends i want many of you to go and find god for yourself before a word goes out that does not belong to you and you run, run with it are you hearing me? Okay. So let me tell you the story of Jehoshaphat. He said Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. Keywords. And by marriage, by marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. So I'm going to break up in the middle of the story. You remember who Ahab was? Who remembers? Ahab was the husband of Queen Jezebel. Even the name tells you how bad she was. You know now when they say, ah, that woman, Jezebel. We all know what that means. Ahab was the husband of Jezebel. Jezebel was the woman who had, who had um, Elijah's head cut off. Jezebel was the woman who, um, when her husband Ahab said he wanted Naboth's vineyard, he was rich, he had land, he was the king. He sees his neighbor's vineyard and says, I want it. Covetousness, which is a sin before the eyes of God. And then Nahab, um, um, Naboth said, you can't have it. I'm not going to give it to you. This story is in 2 Chronicles earlier. It says, I'm not going to give it to you, right? And then he goes sulking to his wife, Jezebel. He goes sulking and she says, for what? You're going to have that land. And then they go, they conspired against him. They lied against him and they had him killed and they took the vineyard. That was the kind of woman that she was. Jezebel was a woman that Elijah, after killing 4,000 prophets of Baal, was afraid of. And so our dear brother in the Lord, Jehoshaphat went and allied himself to Ahab. You can already see that that's problem coming up. Abby? Okay. So carry on. So after some years, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria. After all, he's his in-law now. He has to visit him, in it? And Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him and the people who were with him. So joyful and merriment. Probably around Christmas period. Who knows? Batsing. And persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. Carry on. So Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? 
And he answered him, I am as you are, and my people as your people we will be with you in the war. How can he say that I am as you are? Jehoshaphat and Ahab had nothing in common. The only thing they had in common was this unholy alliance, their marriage. He now says, I am as you are. He didn't have the wickedness in the heart of Ahab and his wife. He didn't have the atrocities and the worship of Baal. He didn't have all of this thing. He was accounted as, unto him as a man who sought after the face of God and brought reform. And then he goes and says, I am as you are. And so many times, many of us, we are trying to be people that we are not. We are trying to be with people that we are not supposed to be with. We are trying to conform and align to their ways. And let me tell you something. They laugh at you behind your back. You will never fit in. You will never fit in because you are consecrated unto God. When God made you, before he formed you, he knew you and called you as a prophet unto the nation. So no matter how hard you try to be cool and hang out with those people, you're wasting your time. You will always be an outsider. You try to ally yourself to people that you have no business with because you think that perhaps they hold the key to your destiny. Perhaps they hold the next job. Perhaps they're going to introduce you to that fine brother of theirs that's coming back from the America this Christmas. Be careful, those people. They leave a trail of single mothers after Christmas. I'm actually serious, ladies. Don't listen to them, except the Lord said. And so... So Jehoshaphat, because he was a man of God, said to the king of Israel, please let us inquire for the word of the Lord today. So you can interpret it two, two, two ways. What is the fresh word that God is saying concerning this matter today? Perhaps he told you yesterday to go and attack them. But what is God saying today? Or can we inquire today before we even start anything? Take it however you want to take it. But he said... Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Next verse. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, 400, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Who does this remind you of? David. He always asked, Should I pursue? Will I overtake? But there's a difference between David and this king of Israel, Ahab, it's motive. So when you ask of God, are you asking because you want to manipulate God into what you want to do? Or are you truly ready to hear what God will say to you? Because the truth is that many times we have been thought that when we go to God in prayer, we're going to get yes. We're going to get go. Sometimes God will tell you, sit down there. Don't go anywhere. And you're like, ah, that can't be God. My brother and my sister, that is God sometimes. That is telling you, don't move an inch. Don't move a step. Even when it looks glorious for all that glitters, it's not God. He sees more than you can see. Because sight is very limiting. Very, very, very limiting. And he says, they said to him, go up for God will deliver it into the king's hands. Next verse. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So how did he know that these 400 men were lying? Spirit of discernment. You see, the gifts of the Spirit of God 
are meant to help us in this journey and walk with God. If 400 people say a thing, is it not likely that that thing is correct? If 400 people say a thing, think about it. We're not up to 400 here. If 100 people say a thing, is it not correct? Many times the things that we have taken as gospel and sat in our spirit was even said by one person. Two people. And we take it and we run with it. There are some things I see myself as an adult saying that that's how I am. And then all the spirit will tell me, keep quiet. Who told you that? One person that, doesn't, that had a 10 minutes glimpse into your life told you something. And because it served a purpose, you took it and you ran with it. So 400 men, 400 prophets said, go, you will succeed. But because Jehoshaphat was a man who stayed with God, who had a calling upon his life, who had an assignment upon his life, who God was not going to allow to make a mistake in spite of his foolishness and his unholy alliances, the spirit of discernment said to him, ask again. He said, is there still not a prophet of God? And so, next verse. So the king of Israel said to him, there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. I hate him because he never prophesies any good concerning me. He doesn't like me. See, prophet of doom, always saying bad things, always telling me I will not succeed, always trying to stop my mojo, always trying to kill my joy, always trying to stop me from going to that party, stop me from being with that man I have no business with, stop me from marrying that woman that would be my downfall, going into that job that is not where God is calling me to, entering that business that I'm not supposed to be doing, walking into places I have no business being, joining myself with people that I have no business being with. I don't like him. He's a kill joy because he never prophesies good concerning, concerning me, but always evil. He's Micaiah, the son of Imla. And so Jehoshaphat said, let the king, let not the king say such a thing. Go and bring him. Then the king of Israel called one of the officers and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. You can tell very reluctantly. He didn't have a choice in that matter because Jehoshaphat was going to have his way. So carry on. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on his throne, and they sat at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets continued prophesying before them, go into battle, you will win, marry that man, take that job, do that business, go to that place, travel, go and party continuously prophesying over them and telling them the thing that their flesh wanted to hear. Their carnal desires were seeking and their fleshliness, their eyes were seeing, speaking the words that we want to hear instead of the truth of God. So carry on. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chana, had made horns of, him, made horns of iron for himself and that one came. There was always one over overzealous person that we try to convince you I am telling you that does says the Lord I am telling you with the authority of the Holy Spirit that does says the Lord and whether or not you like it they are in the church because the church is a cleaning house they are everywhere all around us there are people sometimes that we love there are people that we love we respect we admire we revere but the second that they are walking outside of the Holy Spirit Everything that they say, 
must be discarded. And he says, thus says the Lord, with this horn, you shall go the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hands. Carry on. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him and saying, hmm, my brother, <laughs> I'm advising you because you know me, I like you. Now listen, the words of a prophet with one accord are encouraging the king. Therefore, please oh, let your words be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Don't come here and be talking your own, you're on your own. Because 400 people have said that he will win. So if you and come and speak, come and speak a contrary word, you know you like to to do. Eh? Now only you they see Jesus. They will be, I'm just warning you, because you know you're my friend. You're not supposed to be telling you. You know it's gonna be like come and tell you, you're not supposed to be telling you, but let me just take because maybe I like you, me and you are we we. That's what he did. I'm just telling you now. Oh. And Michael says, as the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. Stubborn man. Then he came to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to the war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And, he's, and then that one now said, I, 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 I imagine the scene. He had rolling eyes, <laughs> sarcasm in his voice and what do you want to hear? He said, go and prosper and they shall be delivered into your hand. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Sure, I said go and prosper now. But he must have done it with a lot of sarcasm. And they understood sarcasm. And they knew that he was lying. He said, okay, since you want the truth, you want the truth. All right, here goes. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. Next verse. And the king said, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you? Did I told, did not tell you that this man will come here and prophesy, you know, not good things, but evil concerning? I think I told you. He doesn't have anything good to say about me. Carry on. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who persuade Ahab, king of Ahab, sorry, king of Israel to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So no one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Carry on, next verse. Then the spirit came forward, forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? Carry on. He said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Are you hearing how this conspiracy, how this thing was already orchestrated? Because they say who the God wants to kill, he first makes what? Mad. His time had come. So God permitted it. The spirit said, I will go. I will enter 400 prophets and 400 of them will lie. 400 of them will lie. They will persuade him and they will prevail. Go out and he will do what they ask them to do. So carry on. Next verse. Therefore look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of this prophet of yours and the Lord has declared disaster against you. And so Micaiah was telling him, don't go. Now Mr. Horn, Zedekiah, now came and slapped him and said, which way did the spirit from the Lord go? 
from me to speak to you. I'm superior to you. I have prophetic word. Not only did I see that you will win, I even saw the instrument which you're going to use to guard the Syrians. You are coming to say that the spirit left me and entered you. Slapped him up. So basically, don't dare challenge me. I am superior to you in these spiritual things. Carry on. And Micah said, indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. He said to Zedekiah, basically, go and go back to God and hear what God has to say. Go back to the inner chamber and then you will know when the spirit left you and came to me with the truth. Carry on. And so the king of Israel said, take Micah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son. And said, thus says the Lord, put this fellow in prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and water of affliction until I return in peace. So basically, just enough to keep him alive, to see me come back. Because when I come back victorious, I'm going to punish him. I need him alive to see that he's a false prophet. So give him just enough to keep him alive. That's what the bread of affliction and water of affliction means. So carry on. But Micah said to him, <laughs> If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. He said, take heed, all you people. So not just you, the king, I'm warning all of you. If he returns in peace, the Lord has not spoken. When was the last time that you dared to look at somebody and said, I am telling you that God said this thing. If you come back with a different result, call me a false prophet. When? Have we had the audacity to do that? The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. Carry on. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. You put on your robes. Are you seeing? Are you people seeing what unholy alliances can do to you? The selfishness that sits in the hearts of the people that we align ourselves to. So he will disguise you wear your robes and enter the battle. So you are seeing the person that is a sitting duck. Why can't both of us not disguise? If you are so sure that we'll be victorious, why can't we both wear our kingly robes and go into battle? Though you two, you two agreed to wear your robes and he went to go and disguise. And they went into battle. Carry on. When they went into battle, the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots who were with them. So they were attacking the Syrian army. The king of Syria said to them, so the captains of the chariots are the, you know, the commanders, the generals in the army. He said to him, don't bother about anybody small or great. Just focus on finding the king of Israel because today we will kill him. He must die today. So imagine when all the generals have decided that they are out for you. They are out for you. Today is your day. And then go on. So it was that the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat and said, it's the king of Israel. Therefore, because remember he was wearing the robes and, and, and um, Ahab was disguised. He said, therefore they surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him and God diverted them from him. Next verse. For so it was when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned their back from pursuing him. And then a certain man, random man, drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel, that is Ahab, between the joint of his armor. And he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle for I am wounded. The battle increased that day. The king of Israel propped himself up in his chariots facing the Syrians until evening and about the time of sunset, he died. 
he died. So you can see here eh, that in this story here, eh, first of all, I see a God of mercy because Jehoshaphat could have died in that moment. There are many of us here eh, that are sitting, the only thing holding us is the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Because God, maybe your grandmother, there was a covenant that God made with her and said, I will preserve Ibim's life so that even when Ibim makes a mistake, God will say, because of your grandmother, I have a covenant with your grandmother. Mercy, mercy. I have a plan for you, Ibim. There's something I need you to do. So even in this mistake you made, eh, I'm going to recalibrate you. Don't worry. You will enter trouble, but you will come out of that trouble. Our unholy alliances in the flesh, they always make sense. Hear me. They always make sense in the flesh. They will look like God has sent you the solution to the problem that you've been having. It will look like God has sent that person that's supposed to bail you out. It, see, the, the enemy doesn't have a lot of tricks. One trick that he uses is deception. He will paint a thing that is not as though it is. So if you walk in your flesh, you will see that thing in carnality, in the fleshliness. You won't see it in the spirit. And so you will go with the flow, believing that the hand of the Lord is upon you. And there's always a lying prophet like those 400 men who will tell you, right on, this is the way to go. Walk in it. When they are lying. And that is why we must come into times and seasons where instead of chasing after a person who carries a prophetic gift, we ought to turn around and be chasing the God who is the giver of every single gift, who says that he will give us these gifts to help us to do the work that he has called us to do. Do you know that when a prophet, so a prophet is a person who is able to hear from God concerning time, seasons, a person, a situation, a circumstance, and they bring a revelation from God. Do you know that if a prophet comes, and gives a prophetic word about this lady sitting here. Instead of us, what we are supposed to do, our posture as the body of Christ, is not to go and be revering the prophet and chasing after the prophet and saying, give me a word, give me a word. What is God saying about my life? I'm confused. I don't know what to do. What we ought to do. Pastor Mo will hold her hand and say, let me pray with you until we birth this prophetic word. Peace will come and hold her hand and say, what do you do? How can I help you? Um, 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 what's her name? Kemi will say, lady, what is going to be an impediment to you? Do you need legal advice? Somebody, every single person, we will put our resources, time, money, connection, effort, prayer, interceding, resources to enable her to bet that prophetic word that has been given to her because our own assignment maybe is tied to that prophetic word. One, so in helping her, we are also living our purpose. The lives of many people are dependent on her betting that prophetic word to the glory of God's name. But instead, what we do as believers is that we will leave her alone not forgetting that now that there's a word that has been spoken over her life that the enemy 
would now be looking for how he would distract her, take her off course, off the plan of God. We will leave her. We will now be chasing after the man or woman of God that gave the prophetic word and revering them. That is why the church doesn't have any power. That is why the church has no power. So this morning, I bring a rebuke to each and every one of us. Stop it. Stop it. The person is just merely an oracle, a, a, a vessel that God has used to bring forth a word. Finish. He can use anybody. If the person is not willing, he'll give that word to another person. They might not have the platform or the, um, what's the word? Kabod or Rasmataz. Tundu, create some solemn atmosphere around it. And say, Pastor Moses, the Lord is saying, do you understand? But the word is still the word. The word is still the word of God. And so in this season, God is calling each and every one of us to a place where we are seeking after him. The one who is able to wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you something about your family that will take them out of trouble. That will download spiritual things onto you about your church, about your community, about your job, about every, the people around you that will tell you a word that will stop your friend from committing suicide. God is calling us to a place where we stop saying, God, what about me? Every time I go for a meeting, there's always a word for somebody else. There's never a word for me. What about me? And it's okay. I know that there are times when we want encouragement. It's okay. There are times and seasons in our life where we feel like we want God to tell us something. Because the truth is that it's kind of nice to hear a prophetic words spoken over you. Who agrees? Let's be truthful. Who agrees? It's very nice. It makes you feel that, ah, God loves me. Out of all the people here, they single me out. God loved me so much that he gave somebody a word for me. There's something very special about it. But you know what? After that, God is not doing it to make you feel good about yourself or make you think that you're more special than anybody else. It's because God is calling you that you too can do the same for somebody else. God is trying to raise up prophets in these end times. He says, the word of the Lord says that in the end times, I'll pour out my spirit upon my people. Boys, men, girls, will prophesy and bring the word of the Lord. So why do we come into that place where we are always seeking? Many people have destroyed their lives because they are waiting on this prophet or the other to tell them the next instruction for their life. Many people, I know so many stories, families that have been destroyed. And what usually happens is that the enemy is very wicked. The prophecies start out true. You see one or two happen. So the prophet will have validation that this is a true prophet of God. What now happens is that in their pressure to perform and keep you dependent on them, lies will start entering, half truth will start entering. And let me tell you something, a half-truth is a what? Is a lie. That's what the enemy does. So a lot of people, a lot of churches, and a lot of people that have led people astray, they actually started, started off as mighty men of God until we, the church, 
put too much pressure on them and on the gift that they felt the need to perform and to lie. When each and every one of us here can actually start in this service, the Lord can activate his spirit inside each and every one of us. And you will turn and you speak a word to her. And she'll look at you and say, but that is so true. And he will speak a word to that woman and vice versa. And everybody is prophesying. And we live here all encouraged, all on fire. What are we supposed to do? What is God requiring of us in this? Let us go. Let us do it. Instead of waiting, putting the burden upon a man. If we said that this um, service or our services are prophetic um, declarations unto people, you will see we will not, this hall will not be enough. It won't be enough. So God is saying that our unholy alliances also, we need to start to do a deep, a deep dive into the people that are around us. In this coming season, I didn't say yeah, because it starts now some of us need to get rid of some friendships some of us need to get rid of some relationships even though it will cost you something and let me tell you i won't tell you something that i have not experienced i was i was supposed to get married to some guy we dated for eight years from day one i used to have this dream the dream was very different but the theme was consistent there was always a barrier and a bridge between us different dreams same theme. There was always a barrier or a bridge. Sometimes it's me. I've gone off doing my own thing and I've forgotten. And I remember, hey, I'll now be trying to reach him and I would not be able. Sometimes it's, if it's um, an object standing. You know how dreams are. And you're trying to reach out and you cannot. Sometimes it's a person standing. Sometimes it's a memory. The dreams just continued for years. Sometimes you go quiet. In the early days, I was just a new Christian, so I didn't really understand what it was. Now, I had an, I had an idea that I had a prophetic gift. Just an idea, because I grew up in an Orthodox Catholic family, right? So those kind of things are not things that you speak about a lot, or speak about even at all. I had an idea, but I didn't really understand it. Nobody had taught me or explained to me, and so I carried on this thing for years. But as I grew in the Lord, and I grew more spiritually mature, what was happening was the better the relationship became the more intense the dreams became so you see in my flesh it didn't make sense the better in the physical relationship became the more connected the more in sync the more intense the dreams came until i got to the place where i understood and i had the courage and the strength to walk away walk when i say walk away walk away <laughs> five months later he was married to somebody else do you understand so it's going to cost us something unholy alliances they always look all right ahab jehoshaphat can justify being in that place with ahab that is his in-law his son is married to his daughter he can justify when my in-law be saying he's going to war and I will not follow him to war. We can justify all of it. But I'm telling you that today that the Lord will give you the courage to walk away from people, situations and circumstances that you have no business being in in the mighty name of Jesus. Because it will not lead you to the path that the Lord has called you to. The second thing that God then laid on my heart He said the gifts are available to every believer if we desire it 
available to every believer at any stage of your life that you are in. The gifts are available if you desire it. And so in, I think it's First Chronicles 12, 7 to 11, there are different gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. And it talks about the gifts of prof- the gift of prophecy and actually calls it one of the biggest gifts and greatest gifts because it's the ability of a man to see inside the heart of God. And so he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you know that there were Gentiles carried away to the dumb idols. However, you were led. Are you sure? First Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one, it is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. But as he wills, but also as you desire. If you're not willing, I don't think that God likes to work with unwilling people. Because you would abuse the gifts and you would disdain it. So it means that these gifts are available to each and every one of us. The only thing that qualifies us is obedience. The only thing, only thing. Every time Pastor Mo tells me to come, I'm like, Pastor Mo, it's not a good time. I'll tell him five reasons why it's not a very good time. And I'll even justify it and say, because, you know, I want to be sure that what I'm saying is from God. I'm kind of distracted in this season. My mind is distracted. He'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, You know how Pastor Mo is? He'll say, <laughs> He'll say, oh, yeah, I know, right? Work can be quite stressful, right? I know all these different things. And so, okay, so 19th, right? <laughs> he empathize with me. We will talk about it. We can even gist for like 20 minutes. And at the end, he'll say, oh yeah. And Pastor Fred took 12th already. So that leaves you with 19th. <laughs> we need people like Pastor Mo. I promise you. <laughs> if not many of us will not do this work. What? <laughs> do you understand? So the only thing that qualifies a person is what? Obedience. When you say, oh God, here I am, send me. I don't know what to say, but I'm going to trust in you. That you love your people so much. That you give me a word, no matter how little. That when I bring it, even if it's one person, that their lives will be transformed by this word. That's all God needs. That's all God needs. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you know. It doesn't matter if you've done it. It it doesn't, all those things are not relevant. I remember one day, some older friend of mine who was taking a a sermon somewhere. So I was with her. Um and she had her notes and so I picked it was on the floor I picked it up and I said oh your notes and I dropped it and she said oh notes I don't need them or something along the lines and I was wondering why are you embarrassed why are you embarrassed if the Lord gives you a word you, some, God is not checking um, what's the word he's not counting um, he's not counting points he's not counting whether you remembered a six page note He's not, he's not counting that. If you need your notes, please use it. These are my notes. I used to take my time and type it up. You get, I have it on my iPad. I have it here as backup. If my iPod pad has a problem. The paper is here. Because I need to, because it's not my words. Are you, are you hearing me? It's not my words. 
Cool. If it's my word, if it's my words, I don't need this paper now. You ask me about my, my, my profession. What are you talking? I can talk here for six hours. It's you that will get tired and go. But when God gives you a word, it's okay to write it down. All you need is obedience. Each of these gifts, when you ask God for it, I promise you, you will experience it. This year, I came into the gift of healing. I went to the dentist on Friday. So I've always had dental issues my whole life. My whole life is really bad. Always one cavity, one problem or the other. So I had this really bad one. My heart was big, like the hole was like almost this big. So I went in August and they, they said to me that, okay, I need to do a root canal. I know that's like three treatments and I was tired of coming to the dentist. So they said what they'll do is, they'll put a temporary feeling, I should go. And after two weeks, I sh if I, um, I should tell, I should check, observe everything and come back and tell them. If I'm still feeling pain or sensitivity or whatever, then they know that for sure. It's gotten to the pulp and they need to do a root canal. In fact, they said, you know what, forget that. These two weeks just to give you a break. For sure, for sure, you need a, a root canal because the, the cavity is too big and the whole of that place is destroyed. So we're going to have to deaden everything there and fill it up with, you know, whatever the materials they use. I left. Went off. I was supposed to come back two weeks later. Two weeks later, I had COVID. Dealt with COVID for three weeks. After COVID ended, I started a new job. Started a new job. Then I moved houses. So basically, one thing after the other, I didn't go back until this Friday, which is what? Four or five and a half months. But one thing I always did, every time there was any call for prayer for healing, I will hold my mouth, both here and here. This is a different issue. I will hold my mouth and I will just say a word and say, Lord, I'm tired of this dentist. Just sort this problem out. Very casual prayer and I'll move on. On Friday, I get there. She might, the lady, the dentist looks at me and says, okay, yes, yeah, so we're going to start your root canal today. So I have to first of all take out the temporary feeling. So she started taking it out. She didn't give me an injection first because she just wanted to take out the surface. She kept going, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, because it was really deep and we had really filled it. She now stopped and said, are you not in pain? I said, no. She said, you're not in any pain? I said, not at all. She said, are you sure? I said, ah, if I'm in pain, am I going to pretend? Nobody pretends for toothache now, Abby. Hey, what are, what uh, strong man are you trying to prove for, for toothache? She kept going, going, going. Half an hour, she was still poking this thing with, you know, that, I don't know what it's called, that sharp pin-like thing. She kept going, she's like, I don't understand. You're not in pain. I said, no. She said, ah, you might not need a root canal. She said, I'm, I'm a little bit confused because if you see the size of this hole in your mouth, I'm a little bit confused why you are not in pain. So the first chance I got um, when I could spit out, I turned and said to her, you've never heard of a miracle before? <laughs> she started laughing. She said, okay. Then she now goes, you know, she's scientific in her mind. I can't blame her. Me too, I am. One of the first things God did to me when I gave, when I became a Christian was to shut down my scientific mind. He said to me, because, and I struggled with it for a little while, he said, miracles will not make sense to you. The concept of faith will not make sense to you. The concept of five loaves of bread and two fishes will not make sense to you. So I need to shut down your analytical and scientific mind and you need to be a bit foolish, first of all. Let's start there. So kind of like be a bimbo when it comes to the things of God. Don't worry about how it happens. So she said to me, okay, I have an explanation for what may have happened. She now started explaining. She said, you know, in the teeth, there are several layers. So what may have happened is that a film of something has covered the layer where the problem, the tooth decay is. That is why you are not feeling the pain. I said, hmm? if that's your explanation, so be it. After a while, she said, oh, I think I know what the thing is. She said the goal is so big. She said something about oxygen and air. It's so big that there's air for your teeth to breathe. That's why you're not feeling any pain. Anyway, long story short, she said to me, you don't need a root canal. Now, while I was there, the enemy was saying to me, how can, how can you not need a root canal? That's your big thing like that. 
And I was saying, this is a miracle. This, every time I would now maybe move, she would say, ah, are you feeling the pain? Almost like she was waiting for me to feel pain. I said, no, I'm not feeling any pain. I can't lie now. She called the senior doctor. No, then after a while, she poked something and I started bleeding. She said, eh, hey. She said, eh, hey, see, you're bleeding. Is, see, the pulp is bleeding. So that means it's still alive. We need to. So she called the senior doctor. That one came, looked at the mouth and said, it's not her pulp. And let me show you. Did whatever. That. She showed her. She see, it's the gum. You must have used that thing to touch her gum. And that's what is bleeding. She did, did, did. Check, 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 check. Did, did, did. She said, I don't know what happened, but that it has healed. She doesn't need a root canal. We're just going to feel it and she will go on her merry way. That's how my root canal turned to a feeling. Now, you don't understand how big of a miracle this thing is. Please, who has ever had dental problems? Thank you. If you have had dental issues, you will know that it's a big miracle. A root canal needs to come like three times. Let's even forget the cost for a second. Literally healed. Completely healed they kept saying wow amazing they said she said this is a first for me oh. the, the size of the hole in your mouth god is able to do miracles or haven't i shared about my cousin the last time i preached here was actually when my cousin the week that my cousin was in icu and for five months out of five months for 11 weeks she was in a medically induced coma because her body had shut down, all her organs had shut down, and she was nearly dead. Moved from one hospital to the other. I remember when she was being transferred, one of the doctors said to her mom, he said, I'm so sorry I failed you. I don't know what to do. The doctor said to her, I don't know what to do. We don't know what is wrong with her. It was like an experiment. Today they'll treat this one, they'll say it's that. Tomorrow they'll treat this one, they'll say that. Her body just kept shutting down. One, after, one thing after the other. Her, her eyes, her lungs, her kidney, everything in her body was shutting down. But I remember Pastor Moses said, this one is not unto death. And so we held that word day and night, battling day and night in the place of prayer in the place of intercession i'm like god if you be god you say that you tell the sick you know you said you heal the sick you said that you will raise the dead he said even the bones of Eli i said god let your word be true show yourself oh god this is a chance for you to bring my family to the knowledge of god lord use it for your glory this girl will not die on my watch i kept saying it every day i said lord this girl will not die on my watch an interesting thing that had happened, you see, when God is arranging the pieces of your life, if you don't, if you're not willing to let him, you'll find yourself eh, never ready when the day of reckoning comes. Because early in the year, he had said to me, before the year started this year, he said to me, precision. And I said, what does that mean? He said, very, very little will count for a lot. But what he didn't tell me is because it was that, because I'll be requiring your time and attention. And so the first half of the year, almost half of the year, went pretty much the way I thought it would go. But from the second that girl became unwell in May, every single thing I needed to do, guess what? Shut down. I couldn't. My mind could not create. My mind could not do anything. I needed to be constantly prayed up. We were praying six times a day for about three and a half months before we now change it to three times a day. And most of those prayer calls, I was having to lead them because my family is predominantly Catholic. So not that they don't pray, but if you have a Catholic or Orthodox background, you understand what I'm talking about. You cannot bear that level, that, the intensity and the, the resilience that is required. So I now understood what God meant by precision because he needed my time. And my very little was counting for a lot. 
And just like that, when I thought I was, oh, I wasn't going to go, he took me to a job that was a place of what? Ease and rest. Where the things I was, I bought, the, the, all the work I did in four months was, well, five months, was one month salary. So now, I didn't have to worry about money. Do you understand where I'm coming from? He sorted me out because he made a call for me. He needed me. So when God is blessing some of us, you need to be asking him, Lord, what do you need me to do? Don't say, I've hammered. I've been suffering. Now it's time for me to enjoy. The Lord is calling you. He's going to call, make a call for you. I'm not saying something bad may happen to your family like he did for mine. But maybe God is taking you into a new season of knowing him he's taking you a new season of revelation he's taking you a new season where you are going to be the one that will deliver many people from the clutches of sin and darkness and depression that is upon that is hovering over the spirit over over the nations right now so when god is blessing you you need to be asking why lord thank you i appreciate it though but what would you have me do it's a daily question. I wake up every day and I'm like, God, what would you have me do today? And when I go to bed at night, I say, Lord, what will you tell me tonight? Tell me something, not for my life. Tell me something about somebody that will help me. Especially as a coach, I am not able to come and be giving them theories and frameworks. If I say that I am a child of God, and I don't carry the prophetic to look in and say something to them that they are not saying to me based on a revelation from God that will bring them to the place where they know that, you know what, God is concerned about my matter and perhaps I need to recalibrate and change or go things in a different direction. In this next season, God is calling many of us to self-awareness. So I want you to write down what concerns you. God is calling many of us to a season of self-awareness. Many of us are limited in what we are able to do because we don't know who we are. We have allowed ourselves to be defined by what other people have said we are. We have allowed our life experiences to tell us that that's who we are. We have allowed the words of another person to tell us that that's what we are. We have allowed an, um, a perception because I'm like a particular person, therefore I must be that way. And so there's something called the Johari window. A Johari window, right, is basically a quadrant. Who has heard of it before? So, okay, thank you, good. So basically it's a quadrant. And in that quadrant, on the one side, is something called your arena. So your arena are the areas of your life that is on display. Everybody sees it. Everybody knows it. Okay? The person doesn't have to be your friend to see and know that. So it's known to you. It's known to everybody that knows you. You have a second quadrant of your life, which is a facade. So there are masks. There are parts of your life that you know, but nobody else knows because you hide it. You mask it because you're playing to the gallery. Then on the other side of your life, right, you have something that is then called the blind spots. Your blind spots are parts of your life that other people know about you. They see it because they're standing on the outside and looking in and seeing this part of your life. But you are completely blinded, completely unaware about this part of your life. They're your blind spots. And then the fourth part of it are the unknowns and that's the very scary part 
the unknowns are the parts of your life that both you and another person do not know. So the arena is not a problem. Everybody knows that you know it. It's easy. The masks, the facades are a problem. They are a problem because you are not living a true and authentic life in God. You are constantly playing to the gallery. When you are around your Christian friends, you are very Christianese in your ways. You are praying, you are raising your hands, you are speaking in tongues, you are doing all of that. But just like Jehoshaphat, when you go to the people, the other side of the equation, you are trying to blend in. You are just like them. So they don't see, the people on that side, don't see the godly side of you. And the people on the godly side do not see the carnal side of you. But God sees all, every single one of them. And then the parts that are the blind spots are the parts that other people are seeing, but you are not seeing, completely unaware. But the unknown parts, it's only the Holy Spirit that can unveil it to you. Nobody will tell you that one except God. And you can only find that one, guess what? In a place of prayer and studying the word. Have you read a word? Have you read a scripture? And suddenly it's like a torchlight was shown on you. And you're saying, ah, this is me. Oh. And you're thinking, or oh, something happens. Who has ever been in a situation where something happens? And then you do something. That you, it's almost like you have an out-of-body experience. It's like your body comes out. You are standing and looking at this person and saying, eh, it's me that did this thing. The people around are like, ah, ah. They'll say, everybody will say, ah. We've always known her. She was a good and light, nice and kind neighbor. Always had a nice word to say about everyone until she killed seven people. Do you understand? That part of your life is a part that the enemy eh, likes to use to do you anyhow. Because God knows it and the enemy knows it. So if you don't come into the place where we are asking God to show us continuously, they'll trip us up. In this next season of our life, God is asking some of us to take out time. Go on a personal retreat. And please, a personal retreat does not mean you need to go to a Perry resort. Just stay inside your room for three hours. Lock the door and say, God, me and you, I'm not coming out of this room today until you tell me the things I need to change, the things I need to stop doing, the things I need to keep doing, the things you want me to do in the next season of my life. If you can go away, fine. If you cannot go away, lock your room. Take a day out of work. It is not a season to be dirty December in. The last dirty December is what gave us COVID. <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking to it. The last dirty December, that day will happen, 2019. When it, it was party after party after pa every scene. Three parties, four parties. I say, which one should I go to? Which one should I not go to? In fact, it was the exact same Sunday in 2019. I'd God had given me this word, sweet word. I said I was ready. I prayed. I fasted. I was ready. I typed up my notes ready. A friend now invited me to this party. And I heard God say, don't go. And I was now arguing and negotiating with God. I said, God now. But it's just an office end of year party. It's not a club. It's not Kubana. Abi, eh, eh. People laugh because people know Kubana. <laughs> Eh? I'm not going to go and do Rime. I'm just going to go and just with my friend, catch up with her. I've not seen her all year. It can't be that bad, Nabi. Nah, 
It's not that bad, is it? It's not bad. It's not that bad. I justified it very well. Don't go. Stay here. If you don't want to pray again, go and sleep. I said, God, okay, one hour. One hour. Let me just show face and come out. Okay, now go. I got up, wore my shine shine dress, and I went. I think I've shared this story here before. With my big hair, and I went. First of all, to go to a hotel, four hours traffic. Who remembers one dead day like this? Four hours traffic. I get to a hotel. They say go and pass through the entrance gate because the other side, the sorry, exit gate, because the entrance gate was locked. I didn't know that my car was behind the governor's convoy. We get to the entrance gate, the exit gate. They open the door for the governor's convoy. Me, as soon as I go, they raise the barriers. Total the front of my car. Total as in, as I just stood there, I just said, I told you. You know they hear word. hear word. She had told you. So when I came out, I said, don't even you dare complain. Like, shh. Because me, eh, my, I think what God was compensating for my early father. My early father is, is kind of a cool guy. It's that everybody's uncle Ray. You can do something bad. My dad will just look at you like, and just be going his way. So God is very strict with me. He's very good. He's very good because maybe I for loss. Because my early father wasn't that strict. He wasn't. We could get away with anything. We just, my dad likes, just argue your case. Once you argue your case, it's all right. Do you understand? And me, I know how to argue my case. Trust me, you want me on your corner in, in an argument. So, God is very strict with me. Me, another person might not be. Me, I didn't say God is strict with me. He said, don't you even dare complain. So I came out. I came out, I was just looking at the car, very quietly, just looking at the car. I should have saying, oh, she's such a gentle lady. They just fought her car, she's not shouting. <laughs> they don't know it's because I was just obeying. It's like, oh yeah, enter sorrowfully. I'm be going to your house. <laughs> I saw that party, that was the end of the party. I entered the car with my damaged car. Another five hours to get home. And the next day I had to come and preach. Tell me, what business did I have at that party? Really? What business? What business? So in this next season, God is going to call a lot of us to do a lot of self-examination. For him to uncover parts of our life that we are not aware, that will be a hindrance and impediment to what God wants to do in your own life. Don't let somebody give you the version of who you are that is not what God says you are. If somebody is telling you you're such a lovely woman, is such an amazing man, and you are not, let the Holy Spirit convict you to make the changes that are required so that you are living the life that God truly wants from you. And so, in, in the next season of our lives, God is saying that it will be an inside job. An inside job basically means that nobody is going to do it for you. You're going to want and desire the things of God to the point where you cannot sleep at night. You're going to want and desire and covet the things of God to the point where God will hear you. God will hear you from the depth of your belly. You will cry out to God for yourself. The church won't pray for you. The band won't beat the drums for you. The choir won't sing for you. By yourself, you raise a song in your spirit that glorifies the name of God. And in that place of prayer, and in that place of worship, in that place of intercession, God will then be dealing with all the things that you're dealing with. 
it's an inside job an inside job basically means when somebody on the inside has information do you understand you will be the one that has information for your life because it's expedient to God that we do not go and listen to 400 false prophets that will be telling us something that is contrary to what the Lord is saying to us so some of the times right when people have been sent to us because God is always merciful he always confirms his word they'll be like that prophet Micaiah and he'll be telling you this is not what to do or this is what to do and the voices that are against that voice will be many but the only way you will know the difference is when you yourself are carrying the spirit of discernment so even if you're not carrying a prophetic gift but you're carrying the gift of discernment that if I come and say something to you that is contrary to God's word for you even if it sounds good Titi you look at it and you will respectfully reject it have people spoken words over you that know you know the, there's no align with God's plan for your life it doesn't matter if it's good the person come and say I'm looking at you the Lord said that your destiny is in Canada. Meanwhile, God can give you an assignment here. And she said, no. You see? She says, it's not her. She knows it's not her. Because the Lord has told her what he would have her do. Where he would have her do it and how. But you will not know, you will not know a fake if you don't know the original. You will not know a fake if you don't know the original. One day, woman, one woman like this, she's a, an older friend of mine. She sells copy designer bags, first grade copy bags. So I went to see her for something. And she, I was looking at the bags and they were pretty. They were really pretty. And she said to me, buy it, buy it. Let me tell you, everybody's buying it. Don't be fooled. All these girls you're seeing, they're not carrying wheels. And I said, ah, but me, I know the difference now. I know that it's fake. She said, it doesn't matter. Ah, you want to go and use uh, money to buy? She said, listen, use money for important things. She had a valid point. Use your money for important things. The bag is pretty. The bag is pretty. He said, I said, but can't it just be a leather bag? Must it be a copy? She said, well, it's a copy. I said, but I know the difference now. And it wasn't even cheap. It was 150K for the copy. You know that they're that expensive. The original copies. She convinced me. Fair peer pressure. <laughs> original copy exactly she convinced me I bought these two bags they're not cheap I think together I was like 220 for the two bags can you imagine I bought these two bags one of them I only carried it once the other one maybe I carried it like five times and I gave the bags out do you know why I knew that it was a copy I knew Somebody else may not have known, but I knew it was a copy. The only way I knew it was a copy because I know what an original looks like. The people around me who know that it's a copy. In fact, let me tell you what, my own self, my own case is even bad. They even know it's a copy because I don't like spending money on expensive things. So two things they will say, is that your husband gave it to you as a gift or it's a copy? <laughs> Do you understand? But you will not know. So if I bring a fake now, and I sell it to you and tell you it's 500k. If you don't know an original, you will buy it. That's the same thing with the prophetic word. That's why the spirit of the cement is very important. Because somebody can give you a, neg a word that sounds like it's from the heavens, from God. And it's not. But if you don't know what the word of the Lord sounds like, what the voice of God sounds like to you, 
And you will never know. You will always be living and dependent on other people's interpretation of God for you. And so in this season, God is saying, it's an inside job. I need you to walk with me and I will show you the deep and hidden secrets of your life. I will tell you a thing before it happens. I will give you instructions of what to do. I will tell you when to wake up and pray. I will tell you when to stand still. I will show you. I will also tell you the people I've called you to. You are an assignment. You are in the army of the Lord. You are not living for me, myself, and I. I remember a friend of mine who was saying that she was complaining to God that every time I want to pray for myself for a prophetic word, you give me a word about Uche. She always used to give me good and bad. Good and bad. The Lord is saying that this thing you're doing doesn't make sense. You need to go and change it. You need to go and refine it. She'll tell me. Or she'll say, oh, the next season, this is what's going to happen. And because I already have heard, I would receive it. So she was complaining to God. Like, why are you always giving me a word about her? What about me? What about me? What about me? But guess what God did? She had been looking, for, waiting for a child for many years. And finally, after 10 years, she got pregnant. Before she knew she was pregnant, the Lord told me she was pregnant and showed me contention for her pregnancy in the dream and in the vision, very clear. And so guess what happened? The entire period of her pregnancy, I was on assignment interceding day and night for her. Day and night. That's what the prophetic word does. It's not to make us feel good. There's an assignment after that. Do you understand? So it's not for me to, not for me to go and tell her, you know what God says the Lord, you're going to have a child and then you're going to have problems or you're going to battle for that child. She doesn't know that part of the story. Do you understand? All that happened was every time there was a fear about this pregnancy, I would say to her, I'm telling you, you will have this child. She would say to me, hey, how do you know? I say, I'm telling you, you will have this child. Don't worry about how I know. I say, first of all, you know I knew you were pregnant before you got pregnant. That should tell you that, obviously. So the day she got her test result, I was one of the first people she called crying. She said, oh my God, I am pregnant. I said, hey, why are you crying hey, now? We already knew we were going to be pregnant. Do you understand? Every time she would fear, I will say, do not worry. The Lord has said, this one, you will have this child. But what she did not know was that there was a battle. She knew, obviously, because she's a spiritual woman. But I had been on assignment in the place of prayer, continuously battling for her sake. That is what a prophetic gift is supposed to do. Not for us to use it to elevate ourselves above the people that we have brought the word towards which is what we are seeing in the body of Christ we must come to the place where we understand that our gifts is meant to serve the body and not the other way round I am not saying disrespect or not give honor to whom honor is due that's completely different but I am saying we come away from seasons where we are referring the carrier of a message instead of the source of the message and helping the person that is the recipient of the message to bet the purpose that God has ordained for them. That is what God is calling us to do in this season. Each and every one of us. And so the next time I hear a prophetic word about a person, I want to be looking at Zek and saying, Zek, come, let's talk. What are you trying to do in this season? Is there a way I can help you? If there's no way I can help him, I will just pray for him. Because you're not always going to have the answer. If there's a way I can help him, I'll say, okay, let me make a phone call. Let's see. Let me see if I can help you with this. Okay, I made a phone call. Go there, go and talk to the person. If I don't have anything to offer him, I will say, okay, let me pray with you. When your faith is falling, call me. I will pray with you on this matter. 
I don't know what else to do. That is what is required of us. But how can we do that if we ourselves at that basic elementary level looking for a word from somebody else? In this next season, God is saying caveat emptor. You know in law, you know you will go drive past some buildings, land especially, you see caveat emptor. Buyers, beware. God is saying that you are going to be responsible for what you receive in this season. You are going to be responsible for what you allow to be deposited inside of your spirit. You're going to be responsible for who you are listening to and the message that you are carrying. I will give you a spirit of discernment. And so when you hear a word that is contrary to my word, you will know. So God is saying, caveat emptor, buyers, beware. Listeners, beware. Hear word. Hear my word. Hear the authenticity of my word. It doesn't matter who is saying it. If I say anything, Pastor Mo, Pastor Fred, Pastor Zena, Pastor Idi, that is not in alignment to the word of the Lord. If we give a prophetic word that you cannot validate in scripture, discard it. Or take it back to God in prayer. Thessalonians says, test out every prophecy test out every spirit everything that is said to you test it out against the word of God no longer just say yes 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 I receive you receive what the Lord is saying in this season caveat emptor buyers beware listeners beware of anything that does not align to my word because voices are speaking like never before because of the advent of technology and, and you know, its infusion into media, everybody can turn their pulpit. They can have a pulpit overnight. You can turn on your Instagram live. You can turn on your YouTube channel. You can turn on your anything, a podcast, and start to what? Push a message out there. Push a message continuously out there that has nothing to do with the standards of God. And people will buy people will buy no, let me tell you something anything that you're pushing out there's always somebody ready to buy it so we must now be responsible for saving out the things that we are hearing and so it's a season where there's a consecration that will be required of our eyes of our mouth of our ears of our eyes you turn your way your eyes away from certain things you are no longer able to watch certain things it makes no sense to you suddenly I can't watch anything violent I can't. I don't, I don't know why. The second something violent, because it troubles my spirit. I can't. When I watched the video of the boy in pain, the boy that died, for two days, I was crying. And I'm not an emotional person. I was crying for two days. And on the second day, in the middle of worship, I knelt down and I placed a curse upon the, the head of those boys. I'm telling you, I won't lie. I was grieved in my spirit and then the Holy Spirit rebuked me and said they are my children I love them regardless of what they have done what is wrong with you and I said okay if they come to repentance 
Then I now added another caveat. I said, but me, I don't want them to come to repentance because I want them to suffer what they did to that boy. Do you understand? That's what I was saying from a place of pain and anger because I had seen something that maybe God did not want me to see. And I had avoided it for a while. Every time I would avoid it, I would avoid it. And then one day I said, just look at it and be done with it. It keeps coming up your feet. And that's what got me to that place. So there's a consecration that is required. I know that there's righteous anger. But careful that you do not go and be the judge when God is asking you to apply mercy. Do you understand where I'm coming from? I was angry that God said to me to pray for their repentance. I was saying I don't want them to so that they can suffer the consequences of what they did. There's already judgment upon their head. Why do they need my own extra? Do you understand? We must consecrate our eyes and our ears in this season. We have to. And then God is calling us apart in this next season. God is calling each and every one of us apart, out. I'm going to end in five minutes. God is calling each and every one of us apart. See, there are over seven billion people in the world. And the reason why it looks like people that are outside of God are doing better is because they hone their craft. They hone their craft. They are good at what they do. When they think of people in their sphere, their names come to mind. And we don't much like it. We live in a world that operates on the world system, which is that you give me value and I give you value. You give me value, I give you money. Do you understand? So nobody cares your color, your tribe, your tongue, how you look, if you bring value. The, 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 I was watching Botched the other day and there's this woman, her nose had been disfigured because she, she had, you know, she had a complex about her nose. She went and did it and they did a, a, a quack job on her nose like it was really bad. And she went to these doctors, Dr. Debro and Dr. I can't remember, I keep forgetting the doctor's name. And they repaired her nose. Ah! It was good. They repaired her nose. And I just said, Hi, Kali Masushin Daraya. I said, God, let me be the best in my field. Ah, God, let me be the best in my field. And that can only come from you. Hey, God is calling us apart. Many of us are not coming into the seasons of our wealth that has been prophesied over our lives because we are mediocre. We have said, Because the Lord said, is enough. It's not enough. Faith without works is dead. Hear me. The word of the Lord says, no, don't hear me. Hear the word of the Lord. It says that faith without works is dead. My, my mentor always tells me, Pastor Kiu, he always tells me, when he said, work as though you have no God. As though you have, he said, work hard. Everything you need to do, information, knowledge, gather, resources, connection, whatever. He said, when you're done, then go and pray as if you did nothing. Pray like your whole life depends on God completely and see if something will not move. And I'm telling you, that formula has been a winning formula in my life. Winning formula. I have to give God something to work with. Do you understand? He needs us. So God is calling many of us up out this season. But there is going to be a work that is required. Hard work for each and every one of us. It might not come easy. It will not come easy. But what God is promising you is result at the end. There's a, God is looking for a people that he will raise up in this generation that he can use to showcase his glory. God is looking for the church to give wealth, to give health, 
to give healing, to give all of those things that the world covets because that's what's going to give us authenticity and give us a platform to say our God works. So God is calling us apart to be different. Stop trying to blend in in this next season. Stop it. Stop trying to fly under the radar. Stop saying, eh, I just don't want to be seen. Stop it. City on a hill. Light of the world. Salt of the head of the earth. Does light hide? No. Why are we always trying to blend in? Why? Why? The most beautiful girl in Nigeria is not the most beautiful girl in Nigeria. It's the one who came out. So why are you sit in your house and saying this girl is not fine now? My cousins are all finer than her. Did they come out? Do you understand? That's what many of us do. Many of us are supposed to be the voices and authorities in our time and in our season concerning many matters. We know it, but we are silent. I grew up a very shy child. When something is going up, I was very smart and very knowledgeable. And I knew. So when something is going up, in fact, now looking back, I wasn't that smart. It was just that I had this gift of knowledge. I had the gift of knowledge and the prophetic gift, but I didn't know it at the time. So I would say, this is what it should be. This is how it should have been done. I would say it out continuously. And one day my father said to me, he said to me, always criticizing. Why don't you get up and go and do it? I said, I know, I don't have to do it. I don't understand. I just know a better way to do it. He said, so who's going to do it? Get up and do it. Why are you always criticizing? Many of us have allowed the voices of authority that are speaking in our sector, in our space, because we have chosen to be silent. We are self-preserving. For what? The knowledge that God gave you, is it for you? That information he gave you, is it for you? So God is calling us into a season of boldness where we will now start to speak out. Speak out with the knowledge that the instructions that he has given us because he requires our voices to overshadow the voice of the world that have nothing to, to say to glorify the name of the Lord. And the final point, how are we going to do this? There's a consecration that is required from each and every one of us. Say no to some things we'll see, some things we'll hear, some friendships, some associations and relationships. God is going to call for sacrifice of our time, of our money, of our resources, of ourselves in this next season. Are we willing? Are we going to be ready? And if you're not, it's okay to tell God that I'm not ready. Be honest and tell him why you're not ready. And so my prayer, one of my prayers today would be that some of us, God needs to sort us out because the things that are distracting us, let him just sort it out so that we can face the work that we're supposed to do. Abby, if it's marriage, he'll sort it out. If it's money, he will sort it out. If it's a job, he will sort it out so that he can have our attention. So we're going to pray for God to sort some people out so that they can focus and do the work he's calling them to do. We are going to look inwards and pull out the things. Like I said, those things in your blind spots and in your unknown areas and lay before the Lord and ask us to deal with us in that area. We're going to make a decision that there will be no boundaries between us and the Spirit of God. That every moment of our life, God is telling us something and showing us something. We are not going to give Him the remnants of our lives anymore. All of us to Him. Then He gives us back the portion He wants us to have to do what is required of us. And in this next season, God is saying that love is a decision. You will make a decision that you will love. For love is the greatest commandment of all. And so you will learn to love yourselves again. We will learn to love ourselves again. 
we will learn to extend the love of God to the family of God to our friends to the people around us we will learn to love God with all of our hearts our body our soul and in the place of love sacrifice and obedience will become easy the word of the Lord says keep my commands and my law as the apple of your eye bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablets of your heart so in the, this next season God is going to unveil his words to a lot of us in a way like never before and he's asking us that we should keep it we should bind it upon our hearts for in the moments that is required he will call forth his word and so this morning I want us to pray I want us to pray for anyone who's saying Lord <coughs> I've walked this journey on my own for so long I'm born again but I sat on the outside of you I haven't really obeyed I haven't always asked for your direction I haven't asked for your prophetic word I've gone in my own strength and in my own understanding and so this morning Father Lord for each and every one of us you know us you know all our blind spots you know all our hidden areas I want us to pray for ourselves you know which one that you fall into you know every single thing in our hearts oh God you know our limitations, you know our hindrances, you know our inhibitions, you know our pains, you know our struggles, you know our sorrows, you know all the mistakes that we have made. We cannot hide before you, O oh God. We lay ourselves bare before you. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.